Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ole Speaks Podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 188. If you want to listen to this episode, as well as future episodes, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a nice five-star algorithm-friendly rating and a review. So we've got a whole lot to discuss after a somewhat interesting, somewhat boring Derby d'Italia, depending on which half you watched, if you weren't able to catch all of it. So first, let me bring in here the crew of Sam LaPresse. Hello, Sam. Hey, Danny. It was a very uh, it was a very backwards game, wasn't it? Yes. Like usually you expect the KG half to be the first half. <laughs> and then like as the game goes on and guys get tired and the who needs to score starts becoming apparent, then it starts to open up a little bit. And it was a completely reverse this time around, which was weird. Yes. Yes. Got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, like I was saying uh, before we started recording, I am in the, well, not super sunny North Carolina. So, you know, let's still be able to join from here. And uh, I did in completely, completely unrelated news, uh, had shrimp and grits for the first time. Wow. Uh, the first time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Look I live you in Ohio. eating like a true southerner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess Ohio isn't really south, so that's why. Like, I, I usually I live in Ohio, so um, yeah, it was homemade uh, by a friend of ours, mom. But yeah, it was pretty good. Um, pretty salty though, but um, <laughs> but very good. Um, I did enjoy it. So, but by, by the way, your setup, you look very comfortable. Is where you're sitting as comfortable as it looks? Uh, I'm in our bedroom. It's really the most private part of the house. <laughs> uh, we have um, what well, the. Yeah, that's gonna miss no more. But yeah, we have like uh was it five, six people in the house. So didn't want to cramp people's style be like, hey, everybody be quiet as I record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, no, glad to be here and uh yeah, from Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, you you certainly can't stake claim to the most interesting recording situation because that belongs to Sergio Romero <laughs> coming to us somewhere about what 45 minutes out of Mexico City on the freeway. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas, happy, happy to be here as always. No, actually, still like uh, about an hour and a half oh. uh, from Mexico City, give or take. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely, you know, back on the doing a recording on the road, which we hadn't had one of those in a, in a <laughs> while, but it, life happens. Life, life moves fast and got to get on somehow. Was the last recording from the road on a bus, Sergio? Am I remembering correctly? Yes, yes, it was last season. It was <laughs> that, that was probably the worst one. Yeah, the bathroom on the bus was by far. <laughs> the worst one for sure i forgot i forgot that part i knew it was a bus but i forgot where on the bus it was but uh since you're the one braving uh the freeway sergio uh your takeaway from the derby d'italia what do you say my friend uh you know a lot of takeaways i'm sure we'll, we'll get into them uh, but the, the first one and then the thing that really you know it was i think the first thing i noticed was uh hans what about hans uh you know he first started of his senior level career and it comes at a derby d'italia that's you know for the top of the table like no pressure at all kid like just gave them the, the toughest assignment and it, that was just a classic max allegri moving which he loves to throw like super you know young untested players into tough tough matches we've seen him do it so many times that that when i saw him announce it was like of course obviously it was going to be hands and that's obviously you know added with the, the Manuel Locatelli injury, but it's still, it was, it was crazy that 
his very first start was under those conditions and that he performed well. He, he wasn't anything out of this world. It wasn't a, a you know, virtuoso performance by any means, but he played pretty well. He did what he had to do as a, as a you know, defensive midfielder in the, in the middle of the pitch. Uh, the, the goal, Inter's goal does not come from, from anything that he did. So, I mean, he, to me, he, you know, he got thrown into a very challenging situation and he did his job pretty Pretty admirably, I think. I think Hans is, Hans is a guy. Hans is a guy, which we just didn't really know. And I think after this game, I think we can say that, that Hans is a guy. Like, he is going to be a guy that can play some minutes for, for this Juve team. So that's that, that's a, definitely a positive. Ducks, over to you. Yeah, I uh, may or may not be stealing uh, Sam's point uh, from here. No, actually, I don't think I'll. I think it'll, it's always fun guessing kind of what people are going to say as their takeaways. I'm like, you know... <laughs> I don't want to steal somebody else's, but I have to say something. So, you know, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, my, um, I guess, key observation of the game was uh, that it was a game of uh, the two Serbs, uh, not of two halves. Well, it was also a game of two halves, <laughs> but it was a game of the two Serbs, Filip Kostic and uh, Dusan Vlaovic, but in very different ways. Vlaovic had one of, really, one of his best games in a long time. I thought... You know, the main criticism that he has received over uh, throughout his Juve career, probably justified criticism, has been his uh, poor hold-up play, hold-up slash build-up play. And I think he was absolutely excellent in that regard today. Just really, really well with long balls that would come at him in, you know, awkward angles or uh, come very, you know, come with a lot of energy, come very hard at him. And, you know, he would his first touch was just on point today. I thought it was really, really good. And then, you know, just to, again, kill the ball and progress the attack and just keep it going and, and really providing that out ball for Juve players, uh, for his teammates. So that was, you know, really important. I thought he was just really excellent in that regard. Obviously started and finished that first goal too. And, you know, again, the other Serb, uh, Filip Kostic, had uh, really had one of his poorer games today. It wasn't, you know, defensively just... Yeah, he just wasn't just wasn't his best today. I think you know one of the main things we always talk about with Kostic is his uh, defensive ability. I mean, we know what we're going to get with him. We're going to get pretty solid defense and very good crosses. From memory, I would have to double check, but I don't think he had a single cross today. Did he? Um, I'll, again, uh, I, I think to, he had a couple. Yeah, not uh, or yeah, that's a. But you know, it's like you see three. Three, oh yeah, which is extremely low for his, uh, you know, for his standards, of course. And um, I don't know how many of those were successful or not. None. But, uh, yeah, none. Yeah, maybe that's why. That's probably. No wonder you couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, that's probably because I'm like, you know, usually I would remember so, like something like that. So you know, you take away that strength of his. That's half of his strengths. Half of that is just taken away right there. And then defensively, he was pretty poor. Um, I think we talked in the Slack channel about his. Uh, Positioning on the first uh, goal, oh, first goal, on the equalizer was, you know, just not good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just those two things there. You take that away, and then you have, uh, unfortunately, a pretty average player. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely just a tale of uh, two Serbs here. One one who was extremely good and one who just didn't have a great day today. And uh, hopefully he can shake this off and pick himself up again and, and, and be better uh, in the next game against uh, Monza. Well, when, when tackling Juan Cuadrado, he certainly didn't miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> God, we gave him so much abuse. <laughs> it was, I mean, I don't know. 
but I have nothing personally against Cuadrado. I, I mean, I get it. He joined Inter, but it's like, he, what was he going to do for us? I mean, he's 30 something years old. I mean, frankly, they did, did us a favor, I think, <laughs> taking him. So, I uh, know that abuse was a little, uh, a little. It was, odd, it was more know. for the color of the shirt rather than the person. Wearing. Yeah. 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 True. Uh, yeah. It was, I don't know, football, football fans, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, Sam, what you got? I loved how loud the stadium was again. We've talked about this a couple times, but man, that place was loud. It was rocking. And the whole game, the game was just like we said, so weird and maybe a missed opportunity there. But if the Allianz is going to be, is going to start becoming that big home field advantage that it was in the first seasons after it opened, then that's going to just bode well for everybody far on for, for much, much later than just now. And it helps revenue wise, which as we know, yes, that Juventus need plenty, of. <laughs> but uh, obviously uh, an, uh, as Sam alluded to an interesting first matchup between Juventus and enter the season, the one, one draw Dusan Vlaovic on a, just a beautiful, as Chuck said, uh, just a, a great combination between him and Federico Chiesa. That lead lasted all five minutes before Latauro Martinez did what Latauro Martinez has done plenty of this season, and that is score a goal. So, uh, Juventus enter exciting first half, the opposite of exciting second half, in which all of one shot between the two teams was attempted. And as I will I will say this, as I was writing my post-game thread, I kept going back and forth and maybe this is reflected in the writing because who knows if it actually made sense, how it's like, okay, this could have been worse. It could have been better. And I kind of just kept going back and forth between this was a good result. This was a missed chance. This was okay. I mean, it, it, it just felt like there was kind of a little bit of everything playing into it. And I guess I'll bring Sergio back in this with your thoughts. It's just like, what, how do you kind of wrap everything up into a, nicely round thought that obviously I'm not doing right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely get what, what you're saying about the missed chance, about the missed opportunity, especially because you're at home. Uh, you know, win puts you top of the table. Like, you know, that, you know, to not get that, especially when you go ahead and, you know, the stadium is rocking and it's just kind of like everything seems to be going Juve's plan, which was kind of like get the lead and then figure it out from there and then get, you know, the, the draw comes in so, so quickly, obviously it feels like, like a missed chance because of that. On the other hand, I think considering the injuries, considering the, the situation, uh, you know, it, all things considered, I thought it, it's a decent result. It's not a great result, obviously, because you would have liked to win, but, you know, considering all the, all the absences that you were not playing with, with a full deck that, you know, Hans was making his first start, like, there, there was a lot of potential for this, and we talked about it right in the, in the preview. Like, there was a lot of potential for this to go really, really badly. And I think, you know, Juventus kind of, like, played up to the level of Inter. I think they showed that, you know, maybe they're not better than Inter per se, but at least they're in the same league, right? Like, we talked about in the preview, you know, how when they played Napoli last, last season, uh, it was like, okay, we're not even in the same conversation. I think after this, we we can say that Juventus is at that level or is going to be at interest level for, you know, in terms of, of challenging for the title, challenging for challenging for the Scudetto. I think when when the season when the season 
you know, wraps up. So it's obviously you rue the missed chances. You rue that Federico Chiesa shot that he just skies oh. uh, in, in the first half. Like, you know, th- those I little don't things. don't understand how he missed that. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that was, you know, that had a goal written all over it and he just skies it. So I think you rue those chances, but I think overall, especially considering how the guard was up and how a lot of us thought like this could go very badly. Uh, I think you take that draw. I think all things considered, you take that draw. You you remain within, you know, within reach of that first place, within reach of, of this the race. And, you know, I think at this point it's about Inter is going to start dropping points. They're just going to like, we've seen it over and over again. When you get that run of, of, of Champions League games and, and, and Coppa Italia games, and, like what you had to deal with all of these years, you know, in which you're playing every three days, they're going to have to drop points. And, and as long as I think you're there and you're in that contention and you're within within reach, I think that, that had to be the, the main objective for this game. Obviously, like I said, you want to win. They could have won. Uh, but I think all, all things considered, this is a fair result for, for what we saw. The 1-1 is not, you know, a bad result. You know, you remember on the on the preview episode on Thursday, I was I was deeply concerned that this game was going to go really south. And I would take the one one, uh, and I would take the draw. I take the you know you take the one one, sure. But I'm disappointed in the way that for the first 35 minutes or so of this game, we played Inter toe to toe, and then in what feels to me like a microcosm of Max Allegri this season, we give up the goal. It goes to one one, and Allegri just backed off. And started playing deep line again when, you know, you had created some really good opportunities going forward by playing with them up top. You know, Vlaovic started the goal and finished the goal by pressing Dumfries and causing that that turnover halfway up the pitch. You know, and Inzaghi was Inzaghi kind of put his foot, took his foot off the gas as well a little bit in that second half. But to see Max Allegri say at the microphone after the game, not losing was the priority. <laughs> that bugs me. That is not a Juventus mentality. <laughs> and I think it's one of the things that has held this team back overall during Allegri's tenure is that he, you know, I've said this many, many times, he coaches not to lose. And, you know, yes, we were having a, you know, we had such a huge selection crisis. I was a little bit surprised that Fabio Moretti didn't come into the game. Yeah, his, his back's got to be more messed up than I think yeah. we initially realized. Because, I mean, when when Manuel Locatelli with a broken rib is your only midfielder coming off the bench, then... Yeah, and you know. and also, I was really surprised that Samuel Illing Jr. did not play in this game. Yeah. As bad as Kostic was, the om- and then to leave him in until there were two minutes left, and then to just broadcast to the world that that you were settling for the draw by putting f- Alexandro into the game. <laughs> Alexandro, who then proceeded to get toasted by Juan Cuadrado like 45 seconds after he got onto the field. Wash on wash crime. Yeah, if Juan Cuadrado is toasting you, like, that's it. That's it. Like, it's done. Like, just knock it in. Sergio, you must have seen a couple of texts I sent to a Juventus friend, because that is basically the same kind of tone I took. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it was crazy. Like, I, I, I sort of understand that, hey, let's, let's you know, wrap it up. The draw is fine. But you don't do that by bringing in Alexandro. Like, that was that was just insane. That was just playing with fire to the max. 
And also, you bring in Samuel Lilling Jr. earlier, especially when Quadrado comes on, he can probably blow him by. He can probably blow by him. Oh, at this point, easy. And create some real problems for Inter on the other end. And and that to me is the thing that playing it safe, playing this game not to lose in a home game. And we could have done better. I feel like we should have done better. And I feel like the, it's again, it's the it's the coaching that is holding this team back from something more. I wanted to see more of that proactive game that we started seeing again in this game, in that first half. And then Max got hit in the mouth once, like the Sassuolo game was, and he backed off immediately. Yeah, And that's I just mean, the way he goes. My one worry is that, obviously, we've, we've seen enter this season, and they're just uh, a completely different animal in terms of how they counterattack compared to other teams. And I mean, we saw how Marcus Taram basically toasted everybody on the left side of Juventus's defense and midfield, and then put just the simplest of moves on Bremer with a little drag of the foot and just went past him to get the cross off. And my, and this is kind of like what I was saying about how I felt about this game earlier is like, would I have loved Juventus to play more like they did in the opening 30 minutes than they did in the next 60? Yeah. But I also realized that Inter were growing into the game a little bit as that first half went. And if that is how they looked on their best counterattack, I'm thankful that they didn't really have another counterattack that looked like that. I don't know how much of that is Inter and how much of that is Juventus, Chucks. But at the same time, it's like, I'm glad they just kept it at one because I felt like that was kind of a point where Inter could have taken off and really took control of the game. Or it could have just kind of settled back into it being the even even match that it was looking like. Yeah, and, and this goes back to uh, Sam's point about just Max Allegri's uh, decision to sit back. I mean, you point out the counterattacks of uh, of Inter, and I mean, indeed, they were devastating, um, very effective. Now, I think Allegri's thought process might have been that okay, they have such effective counterattacks, we're at one one. If we continue pushing, continue playing the way we we've played really up until the equalizer, then what do you do? I mean, you open up space for a counterattack, um, which obviously they're very good at. I think this game after the equalizer was really just a test of Allegri's uh, appetite for risk. So I think he was really faced with just a very crucial decision. It's okay. How much risk am I willing to to seek for this game? I could seek for a lot of risk and say, okay, we're playing at home. Sure, okay, 1-1. They just equalized, but we started the game very well. We showed that we can match them. We can cause them some problems. So let's dust off that 1-1 and and continue with the approach to the game that we started, started with. Or, which ended up happening, or we just say, okay, well... I mean, let's make it to halftime, which I mean, they scored the 35th minute. So just ride out the last 10 minutes of the, the first half and then just say, OK, consolidate, basically, you know, consolidate the match, go for the one one and realize that, uh, which this is something I thought today, you know, realize that the season or I should say the title is not going to be won in this game today. I mean, this is, you know, match day 14, I think 13. it was. 13. Oh, thank you. Uh, I was close. This is match day 13. We're not even halfway the season. And I mean, you know, 
it's a cliche, but you know, titles are not won really in games like these. Titles are won in games, coincidentally, coming up against the Monzas uh, or against the uh, you know, uh, Genoas and you know, uh, Bolognas and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, those those types of games are at the games where you know a title is usually one winning those games and not messing up in those games and then maybe getting a point here a point there against the top six and you know the one or two or hopefully more than you know two or three wins uh against like your direct title opponents so you know i think this game is really just the or, well i should say this game after the equalizer was just a kind of a fork in the road test of max's appetite for a risk and he just, you know, chose option number two and said, okay, you know what, it's just what I, I mean, this is how I guess possibly my thought process would go is that taking excessive risk to push for a 2-1, that risk is not justified, or I guess the benefit of doing that is not justified given that, I mean, again, the season is not going to be won or lost in this game. And they're so good in the counterattack and, you know, Obviously, Inter's just a very good team. I think it would have been a different story if this was the return game, or if this was like match day, I don't know, 28 or something like that, or 30 or something like that. You know, you're going at the end of the season. I think then, personally, I would have said, you got to push for, you know, you got to go hard for the winner. In a match day 13, I I can accept maybe, you know, consolidating and going for a 1-1. I do think, yeah, I mean, it's somewhat of a missed opportunity. I can understand that, that feeling of like this was possibly a missed opportunity just because of how we started the game. Um, that said, I mean, this is, this is, I hate to say, but this was the best team in Italy, uh, Inter. You know, I mean, absolutely, they're, they are the best team in, in Italy. Uh, there was a sequence in the second half, early in the second half, which was, again, I hate to admit this, but it was a brilliant passing uh, sequence where they just won the ball around kind of the, in the defense area, pass the ball back to Jan Sommer, you know, just built it back, passed it out of pressure, you know, passed it all the way out of pressure, uh, really intense pressure from from Juve, through defense, through midfield, got, a, got it all the way to Marcus Turam. Then, you know, okay, they saw that opportunity wasn't quite there. And then without losing possession, still got it passed it all the way back to Jan Sommer. So it's like, you started a passing sequence from your goalkeeper, got it all the way to your striker without losing possession, all the short passes, and then got it all the way back again to the goalkeeper once again without losing possession. I mean, it was a really, really impressive. I hate to say it, but, was, but that was a really impressive passing sequence, which just shows I mean, your ability to deal with pressure and just to stick to a game plan as well. So, you know, again, I mean, credit where credit is due. And I mean, I, I like I said, I'm not, satisfied per se or like not happy or something per se with the with the draw but i mean i can accept it just on like like i said on kind of a risk basis i can accept the draw but yeah i mean i understand the feeling of like you know we could have we'd gone for it um if we brought on an ailing junior for Costage, maybe in the 60th minute gone for it yeah i mean i yeah we could have could have maybe pushed for a winner but but then you're leaving, you know, a lot of space open in defense, of course. You're saying that you would have preferred if this was like April, you would probably prefer Dusan Vlaovic and Federico Chiesa not to be subbed off when <laughs> when the game definitely could have been won with 10 yeah, minutes yeah, still yeah, yeah. compared to yeah. them actually coming off. I would say then, yeah, if it was like I said, something <laughs> like that, April, May kind of, you know, match eight, 
20 something or something like that yeah then go for it i mean then then i would say you know uh, this late in the season this kind of crunch time in the season yeah then i'll say you should absolutely go for it so you know to me i think that the, the key part is is what you said in the first 30 35 minutes in which to me i think it was clear that the strategy was let's push for, for going up first like i think that was obviously the idea they get that first goal but i think the key to me and i think what, what you know feeds into how the rest of the game went is that Inter scores their goal on a counter. Like Inter scores their goal while Juve is trying to be proactive and trying to be attacking. And that's when Inter scored their goal. Like it was, I think that's why that second half was so cagey. was like no one was trying to give up anything because there are two teams that are weirdly more comfortable when the other team takes the initiative. Like they're, they're more comfortable being kind of like on the counter, more defensive. They're not teams that are super comfortable with a lot of, you know, possession and, and moving the ball around. So I think that that's why that second half was like so cagey because both teams, I think, realized, hey, the way we lose this game is if we try to go forward and they hit us in the counter because Inter wasn't really all that dangerous, I thought, you know, trying to to get, you know, just normal offensive going. Like, it, it, they weren't, you know, breaking through that much. It was like when, like, like Dan said, Danny said, like, you know, Marcus Duram, you know, going in runs and, and you know, you know, just toasting every single defender that you've had. That's when Inter was was dangerous, and that's how they score their goal. So, so to me, I, I do disagree in this game specifically, and in this instance specifically. I disagree that the approach should have been let's be more proactive, even because that's how they, that's how you let Inter back it, or, or win this match because that's how they're generating their offense. And I think stylistically, both teams they're just a very weird match because like like I said, they're two teams that really want the other one to be the one that's proposing and attacking and leaving those spaces open in the back. Both goals come from counterattacks. So both goals come from like runs like that. So it's, it, it was an, a complicated match. I think, you know, just for, because Inter is such a good team and, and, you know, because of the, the styles they both play. I, I, that, that's why I would say in this occasion, and I know, you know, that the, the common complaint about, you know, Max Allegri that we don't, you know, we're not as proactive and everything. But I think in this game specifically, you know, it, I, I don't hate it because just it, it was going to be difficult to try to go for the win. And I know that, you know, like, like Max said, like, you know, our objective was not to lose. And I know that as the Juventus coach, like, you, you can't say that. You can't say that. But, <laughs> you know, considering the, Considering how shorthanded this team was, considering the play, like the, the the match that was at his disposal, it really was. It really was kind of like, hey, if you can sneak out a win, great. But, you know, I think everyone was content with a draw, even if they're not going to say it outright, even if you can say that's not the Juve attitude. But everything, you know, all the factors considered, I think, you know, they thought it was a good result. And, you know, they said, like, we were proactive. That's how they hit us in the mouth because that's how Inter love to attack. That's how Inter love to get goals. If we try to go for it, we are risking that. Exactly that. Like we're playing right into Inter's hands because that's how they like to play. That's how they like to attack. That's how they like to generate goals. So it, it, it's just, it's going to be very interesting to return leg, the second match at Milan. See how, you know, obviously how the table stands at that point and kind of like see which team really is the, the one that proposes and the one that takes that risk, like Chucks was saying. Because, you know, at this point, at this juncture, match day 13, your squad is super shorthanded. You know, again, you're starting freaking hands for the first time in your senior career. I, I think, you know, going for it and being proactive and like, yeah, let's go and get the win especially because you were playing a team that that's exactly what they wanted you to do. 
you know, it's 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 hard for me to say that in this one they should have been, you know, super proactive. If it had happened, I guess like the Genoas of the world and you're one one and you don't take that chance and you don't take that risk, I think that that should have be one hundred percent agree, like that should be criticizable. Uh, or, or that that should be a criticism. But I think in this occasion, playing against the team that you were playing that wanted you to do exactly that. Uh, I, I think it was a defensible. And I think that's the reason why that second half was so cagey. It was p- just two teams trying to not screw up. That was the second half. Like two teams that were like not going to give you that chance. And and that's why that second half was just so cagey and so, so blast. So nothing because it, it was two teams that were like, okay, we know how you generate offense and we're just not going to give you that chance. If you score from open play, if you build something and you score against us like, like that, kudos, awesome, you deserve it. But we're not going to give you the chances, the spaces to do what you like to do and to do what you do best. And it was two teams kind of like deciding that was not an option. And I think that that's why that second half was was like so boring. It was almost by, I think, almost by design. No, no not almost. It was by design. that They were just not going to give each other a chance. Since we've, we've talked about Inter's goal, uh, can we just go around the horn real quick? Uh, foul on Federico Keza before it happened, yes or no? I haven't looked at it hard enough, honestly. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it it looks like it, but you know the ref. I I think was right or wrong. I think wrong, but but right or wrong, they were letting them play. Like a lot of those fouls that are he like, was swallowing you know, his that I think, a lot today. Yeah, he and, and he did it for both teams, and and he did it fairly fairly consistently. I don't know if it's the right thing. I think if it's a foul, you should call it, even if it's kind of soft. Uh, but he was definitely letting them play. So to me, that play was like. One of those that I think most refs would call a foul, but for whatever reason, he decided that he was just going to let them play. And, and that was kind of like the, you know, I mean, he was doing that very, you know, consistently. So I thought, you know, I mean, if that's how he's going to call it, that's what he's going to call it. But, but yeah, I, I thought he was a foul, but if that's how he's going to call it. It seemed kind of like a straight arm from, I want to say Darmian on Keys. Was it Darmian on Keys? I forgot who. Yeah, it was Darmian. I think it was, yeah, yeah. It did seem kind of like a stray arm on Keza. I don't know. In general, I would say, I don't know. I guess I'll say no. However, the one thing it makes me think of is that Moise Keane goal that was disallowed against Hellas, I think it was, where you remember he had that, you know, arm kind of like flailed into, I think it was Faroni, yeah, ex-Inter, ex-Inter player in Faroni's face who was like, looking to see if the goal then went in, and then he was like, oh, God. Man. Are you saying more Chiesa rolling, kind of like Giorgio Chiellini used to do? <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, for the sake of honor, no, but, I mean, it would be very effective. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I mean, I think I mean, I mean, think of that incident, and that was reviewed on VAR, and that was overturned, and that was, I mean, geez, that was, I don't know, a finger in his, on his eyelashes. So, given that, I would say, I mean, yeah, it was a foul, but, I don't know. That said, I thought that was, I don't know. I, I would say preferably for the sake of football, we should let things like that kind of go on because if we start, I don't know, if we start calling every little piece of contact a foul, I don't like that either. That's, but again, I thought, yeah, it, based on other incidents like the Moise Keen incident, incident, comparing to that, I would say yes. But yes, a long winded answer. But. As you were going to say before I jumped in, Sam. Yeah, I was just going to, to, to put a coda onto the, the risk-reward discussion. I, I don't know. If you don't take the risk, then you're not going to get the reward. And I think that 
I think the problem that I'm having with Allegri is that he just never goes for it. And if there was ever an opportunity to do it, it was now in your home stadium. I don't know. I I I I just I I see everything about this game as a as a miss after the goal from Yeah, Josh. you know, I I think if if Juve was like let's say a point ahead of Inter or something in the standing or maybe level or something like something like that, I would have said, okay, what's the you know the risk or yeah, the potential downside of this risk. You would be, win, okay, you, you win, you still go top. You win, you go yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. What's not? I guess in this case, okay, if you then lose, then you're five points behind, and it's like I don't know. Then yeah, I don't know. Five points is it's not like insurmountable at all, but you know, it. it I guess it just it's that psychological hit of like, okay, now we've gone from very close to like semi-comfortable distance whereas like like i said the reason i bring up the hypothetical scenario of like okay if we were a point clear of inter in the standings then okay if we take the risk and then we lose then it's what uh one point two points behind yeah then we're two points behind and then you know that's not like the potential downside of taking that risk is not as bad i guess whereas in this case yeah i don't know i mean like I said, I go back and forth. I can see where it does feel indeed like a missed opportunity where it's like, if ever you're going to take that chance and you're going to, you know, take that risk, it would be now. Yeah, it would be at home after a pretty good first half and you're showing that you're matching Inter pretty well. Um, yeah, it would be now. As for Inter, I mean, they have no reason to really, yeah, there's no real reason for them to take a risk because Again, it's match day 13. They're two points ahead of the table. This is probably their toughest game of the season. And why really, why bother, <laughs> frankly? And I can understand that. So, yeah, I don't know. It, I, like I said, I go back and forth. I can, yeah, I think part of it, I, w- I would say maybe if in the first half we, I don't know, maybe did try and go for it for at least the first 20 minutes or so, 20, 25 minutes, really give it a go. And then, I mean, based on that, 70th minute or something you could maybe consolidate then yeah but i i do agree with the general point of like bring probably sub out costich earlier sub him out yeah i mean i would even say sub him out maybe half time and put on like yeah put on illing jr tell him to you know go on the front foot and then if that again if 20 25 minutes kind of try that out that doesn't you know nothing pans out there and then just tell him to sit back and almost be more of a defender, which would be a little unnatural for him, I understand, but I think he could... He's not a slouch defensively. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he could do it for 20, 25 minutes, I think, you know, he would, he could, 20, 25 minutes, go for it, and then 20, 25 minutes. If the top of the table is your, is your reward here, I think that it's a justifiable risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're looking at, at an inter-team who, like Sergio said, is likely going to be a little bit more taxed as the year goes on and might be more susceptible to dropping points. They certainly have some good depth in that team, no question about that. But I think that what is a better psychological shot in the arm going into this last run of games in December than being league leaders for the first time in how long? Four years? Yeah, like proper for elite leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree. Like I said, I, I will. I mean, I guess criticize Allegri for at least not not giving it a go for at least like twenty twenty five minutes 
yeah, the second half, the you know the opening phase of the second half. I would have, yeah, I, I I think he should have given it a go like he, like we'd started the game with, and then after that, based on you know whatever. Or at the very is, least, when Quadrado yeah. went in to go and put Illing's legs on and let him have fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I agree, especially because you know Inter did really. Uh, I think it was. Let me check. I think it was about 40, yeah, 40, almost half of their play or half their attacks came from the left side through Di Marco. So they really barely attacked through the right side, except for the goal, <laughs> which, you know, that was unfortunate. But I think that Dunfries was probably there, there for the taking. But and based on, I mean, the error he made for the first goal as, as well. So, yeah, that was uh, a missed opportunity, I will say. Considering we've seen, we saw Inter hold the ball, I believe it was 65% in the second half. Have we ever seen a team do as little as Inter did with 60-something percent possession? <laughs> it's kind of like us, but then without possession. <laughs> I mentioned that one shot that was recorded in the in the second half. That one shot came five minutes into the second half. Yeah, 40 minutes without a shot on either side. That's a little nuts. Yeah, yeah, which really showed that both teams are just, you know, called it a day halftime. As you guys were talking, it, it it kind of popped in my head. It was almost like, you know, Juve were like, okay, you do something. And then it was like, no, you do something. And then it just never happened. It was kind of like that ultimate stalemate where it's like, you're just kind of waiting for that thing to kind of kick the game back on and it never arrived. Yeah. And I was kind of expecting it when Locatelli came onto the field because, yeah. you know, like I, I, I kind of disagree with Sergio in that I thought Hans was a step slower than everybody else on the pitch. You could tell he couldn't, he wasn't making up his mind. He was carrying the ball too long. He was holding the ball too long. And even defensively, he was, you know, he was reaching out. He would reach out for a ball or go to ground for a ball. And he'd be about six inches short of it. And when Locatelli did come on, things really tightened up in that, in the midfield. And I thought maybe this could be the point where you push. But again, it just, it never materialized. Yeah, there, there's that classic, replay visual and slow motion no less of Hansen. I forget who the other one. I think it it might have been who was it on the other side of but it was of Turam. And Hans was basically holding on for dear life trying to slow him down. And unfortunately yeah. on the website we got a couple photos of it and I almost put it in the post game thread like hey this is funny but I didn't want to do Hans like that. But yeah it was just there there are some things where you could definitely tell he was trying to basically try to make the move of where like he's not trying to screw up more than because like his first I I think it was his first pass attempt he's like he was like he tried to thread a really nice ball through to Chiesa making a run behind the defense and kind of after that it was like okay let's just let's just not try and screw up yeah and the only reason that didn't come off is because Darmion made a good play yeah like it wasn't a bad pass it was a good interception by Darmion yeah then there was a, a moment between I, I it was towards the end of the end of his run where you know he had he held on to the ball for too long turned it over or maybe he he had a bad pass turned it over got the ball right back a couple seconds later and then tried to carry it forward held on to it too long and got his pocket picked and it was just like okay that's when you kind of realize it's like okay this is you know it's, it's just not happening for him tonight and like as much as you know who knows if it was Allegri's direction to basically you know, not screw up uh, and be be smarter and and be safe with things, or if it was just him kind of 
you know, nerves taking over a little bit, but yeah, there are definitely some moments where it's like, okay, this, this might be a little, this moment might be a little too big for him, no matter how much he's obviously grown up around the Juventus inter rivalry. Yeah. And it was telling also that one of the first touch one of Locatelli's first touches was a long ball into the box that I think was aimed at Cambiasso that again was intercepted by a, it was intercepted by Sommer. It was uh Sommer went and grabbed it. But, you know, that that just goes to show you how Locatelli, you know, was looking to pass forward as opposed to Hans, who, like you said, was just kind of just don't f- up, don't f- up. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. I mean, this, this, <laughs> this, this team just needs to get healthy. I mean, I, I think this is another thing to that com- comes out of this game because you look at you look at the midfield, you know, you're playing your basically the guy in the bottom of the depth chart making his first start. And you look at Inter's midfield, it's like, who on Juventus' roster of who's available would make it into Inter's midfield? Maybe Rabio. So you're playing basically, you know, you're already going into the game with the, the lesser of the two midfields. Defensively, you're you're playing Danilo Rugani is a good reserve, but he's very much a reserve. Federico Gatti, I don't know if he makes it into Inter's defense if everybody's healthy. So basically, as we know, the only defender that Inter probably only wants on on Juventus is Bremer, mainly because they tried to sign him and they didn't. <laughs> but it's very much a you know Inter had a couple of guys out, but I mean you just look at the two benches and somebody posted it out. I'm blanking out on who uh, on Twitter. It's like you look you look at Inter's bench compared to Juventus's bench, and that just kind of shows not only the depth that these two teams have, but the depth that these two teams currently have. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's two different kind of situations. Yeah. Depth was a big issue in this game. And it's also one of the intriguing bits to me is that it wasn't talked about more post game because Inzaghi didn't really leverage it. You know, he made his, he made the subs that he, he usually makes, you know, he usually swaps out his both of his wing backs after about 67, 65, 70 minutes. That's like you can do that like clockwork for him. But he never really put anybody else on that would, you know, that could really have pushed it. You know, like, for instance, I'm I'm surprised Davide Fratesi didn't come on earlier to try to push in that midfield. Inzaghi definitely had the depth advantage there. It, he just didn't use it. Anything else we want to say about this one before we get to Twitter questions? Uh, I will point out one thing that uh, I guess showed how Cavilia uh, or Hans struggled uh, today. I mean, I thought in the first half he was all right, and then the second half I think it was getting progressively overwhelmed. But anyway, he had, um, in 60 minutes of play, he had 19 passes, so 1-9. Subbed out for Locatelli. Locatelli played 30 minutes, so... so he played half as much, half as long as as Cavillas Hans played, and had twenty two passes. Uh, Locatelli in uh, thirty minutes. So yeah, again, Locatelli twenty two passes. Hans had nineteen passes, nineteen passes in sixty minutes. While Locatelli had twenty two passes in thirty minutes. So I think that showed just uh, how the game uh, may have passed him by a little bit. Indeed. So Twitter questions. You ready, gentlemen? Let's do it. Oh, I'm ready. Alrighty. First question here from at Amin underscore SIB. 
This is always my favorite podcast. Thank you, Amin. We always appreciate the kind words from you. With all his fatal <laughs> continuing mistakes defensively and non-existent attacking contribution, do you guys have any idea what is it in Alexandro that Max Allegri loves so much? The number next to his age. And just loyalty. Alexandro is the biggest, one of the biggest symptoms of the devotion to the god of experience that uh, that still plagues Italian football and guys like Allegri. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that that's that's really it. He wants the experience out there on the field, even though the experience means that he sucks. You know, the trade-off is that you've got a guy that's not playing well anymore and is past it in the game. Yeah, I think there's also just loyalty. I think there are certain people who, and I see this in the professional uh, regular jobs as well, where there are certain people who have been around for so long that it's just, I don't know, a sense of loyalty you have to these employees, even though they might not be performing as well. It's just like, well, Ben has been around for so long, you know, unless he's truly, truly just so egregiously bad, which Sandro hasn't been good, obviously. But, you know, he's not scoring own goals left, right, and center. <laughs> you know, unless he's really that bad, then it's just like, I don't know, I think it's just a sense of loyalty, sense of familiarity, and just, yeah, by virtue of being there that long. But that said, I mean, I don't think he'll be around for surely not for that much longer. Maybe, maybe His one more season. contract is up I'm at the sure. end of the year. Uh, this year. Oh, all right. It's this year. I thought it was next season. But yeah, so I doubt he'll be around for too much. Hopefully his lengthy injury absence has knocked out the possibility of any contract renewals automatically kicking in again. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Plus, Juve aren't playing in Europe, so there's also less games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember last season, the season saying like, "Oh, that's there." You know, he's never going to hit that appearance uh, number with all the injuries and stuff. And oh, he's out of favor. And then, oh, well, I was wrong. And then so. it's like, "Oh yeah, they're playing in the Europa League, and they keep going." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I can't imagine what the discourse would have been like if Alexandro, after oh about two minutes of being on the field, wall he did make the crowd cheer uh, when he crashed into Juan Cuadrado a couple times <laughs> after getting blown by Juan Cuadrado a couple of times. Uh, if Alexandro would have done the classic Alexandro thing of ball watching on a, I don't know, a, a cross from the <laughs> left wing or something, and then all of a sudden the person who he was supposed to be marking would be the one who would have scored the winning goal. Thankfully, <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah, that's just... Not yet. <sighs> we, we, we need to bury him on the bench and move on <laughs> yes all right question here from at people underscore dolly alpi good game for juve compared to last year when they played napoli after the winning streak yes uh anything is pretty much better than that uh can we recognize that max has been doing a good job this year what would it take to recognize max is doing a good job winning the scudetto finishing second or changing the play style well, I think we can rule out changing the place. I, th I think we answered that question in the body of the episode. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. I, I just don't think that Max long-term is the right manager for this team. I don't think he gets the best out of his entire group. You know, Inzaghi really has maximized the potential of the players under his command, and Allegri has not. Allegri, in many ways, has held them back. You know, you've got guys like, you know, guys like Chiesa, guys like Vlaovic, who are better 
doing other things. And they're your two best players, two best players, non-Bremer division. And he's just, he's stifling them by not playing the way that they, that accentuates their strengths. You know, the, the results are coming and the results are ultimately what matters in, in the standings. But I don't see us having long-term success on all levels the way we really want with Max Allegri at the helm of this team. Uh, to answer your question, I mean, to win a title, I guess, that would be uh, one way to kind of recognize his success or his improvement. Um, I think I personally, I feel like I've been pretty fair in praising Allegri. And, you, ha- you have you know. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and and also one one other way I, I I will also you know recognize him and and applaud him for is you know I think there's definitely no way we can say that he does not give youth a chance because he's absolutely you know he's you know we've had Hans today we've had like, Fajoli Nieti you know Gatti you know et cetera et cetera. The, I'm I'm sorry I have to disagree with you here. What's the common thread between Miretti, Fajoli, and Hans? Uh, I mean, they Italian. all played when nobody else was able to. They were yeah, all, yeah, they all, yeah. they all got their playing time when there was literally no one else healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a caveat. I, I don't think you can say that about him and young players because he's kept them all on the, on the bench until he has no other choice. Man. And then if they show him something like Fajoli did last year, then he'll let them play. But yeah, I mean, he yeah. he does not. He he does not. He he has gone to some extreme lengths to not let to to not play young guys. Two years ago, he was playing Danilo as a as the regista instead of letting uh, Miretti play, and it was only when Danilo got hurt that Miretti finally got into the games. So no, I can't. I I deeply disagree with that assessment of him and you. Well, I mean, I think he could have. Uh, the reason I somewhat applaud him there is because he could have, you know, he could have taken like the what I like to call the Di Maria solution. So he could have, you know, gotten a Di Maria esque player for a year or two instead of like, like, okay, obviously Miretti and all that was forced, but he could have then, you know, in the summer said, all right, I'm going to get, you know, a 30 something year old Di Maria esque player. Leandro Pernis. Kick back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could Leandro Pernis. That's Pernis what he did. Is, he brought in Paredes, right. he cock-blocked uh, Nicolo Rovella, now Rovella's at Lazio. Yeah, Rovella, I mean, again, Rovella, I mean, like, look, I'm not saying Rovella's bad or anything, but I mean, I don't know, I, I know He's you think of him well very highly. Lazio. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't watch Lazio week in, week out. I, Lazio, I see Lazio themselves aren't good, but he's doing well for them. He hasn't played, as far as I know, he hasn't played Didn't, didn't play this much. weekend. He didn't play this weekend, but he's played... He's played like. Hold on, on, now I'm looking at this. He started six games. Started half their games. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I it doesn't seem like he's playing like poorly. Again, I don't watch him every week in week out, but I mean, I don't know. It doesn't sound like he's man of the match or something every week. So, you know, um, yeah. I mean, like I said, I know that's a, I know that's a sore spot for you, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think LA, like I said, I think he could have just taken the easy route and then gotten some like bunch of old players on free transfers. Like, I know we don't have money, so he could have gotten a you know, bunch of Paredes and then Di Maria's. I mean, Di Maria, yeah, obviously came in for a year, and which I think was 
I mean, I won't say justified, but I mean, I don't think, I don't think our other young players were quite ready then yet. You know, like Sule and stuff, Ealing Jr. And I, I mean, I don't think they were quite ready yet. No, yeah, okay. By but the way, I guess who scored or... another banger today? With oh, the com- yeah, so, with the combination of awful goalkeeping. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was uh, true. But also, if you look at Sule on the on uh, Frosinone's winner in stoppage time. He had a hell of a, a, a crazy off-balance pass that was kind of the hockey assist in that game. Yes, uh, on that goal. Well, he's as he's we good. said a few weeks Kid ago. He's good. he's he's, do, he's doing what he needed to do on this loan spell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, in general, like I said, I, I <laughs> do think I like he deserves some credit there. Like I said, I think he could have taken the easy way out. But there are two points yeah. off the lead. Honestly, there are some things he could be doing better, but considering. No matter what you think of, of the squad as a whole, it's not exactly the kind of squad that you would say is probably. I mean, it's obviously not the best squad by by. I feel like a, a pretty decent margin. People will probably say that Milan probably have a better squad on the whole compared to Juventus, but you know, it the midfield issues are still there. the The wing back issues are. A little more noticeable this year, uh, considering Kostic isn't necessarily playing at the same level that he did last year. Obviously, we know about Keza uh, playing out of position. We know about Vlaovic and his his struggles and his injury issues. And it, it, I feel like Allegri deserves some praise for basically being two points off the lead. And th- you know, I don't want to repeat myself over and over again. But you know, would you like like to see them play better ball? Yeah, but they're somehow winning consistently outside of this weekend and they're two points off the lead. So there's only so much I feel like I can complain about. Maybe that my tune changes in a month, but as of right now on the whole, I feel like he's done a pretty good job. All things considered. Likewise. Unless you have anything else, I will, I will, I will sign off. uh, Now I've (laughs) rambled enough. Okay. All right. Well, now that Sam has officially signed off on the rambling being over, <laughs> we will thank you guys for the Twitter questions. Uh, as always, if you want to send them in, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Follow the Fans First Sports Network uh, at Fans First SN on Twitter, uh, fansfirstsports.com, a uh, website for all the podcasts across the network. A quick note with Juventus playing Fridays the next few weeks. We are going to be changing up our our release schedule a little bit. Uh, there will be no midweek episode this coming week because uh, Friday's game against Monza is quickly approaching uh, once this episode comes out. So we will adjust things over the next few weeks. So the next midweek episode will be coming out next week. And look for our uh, our game reaction episodes at some point during the weekend. So uh, the usual details for everything to get those episodes, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a five-star rating and a review. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, who lost his connection along the way on the freeway, <laughs> and for producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. 